Fresh Hearts, Acts 18. We're traveling along with Paul on the second missionary journey. He's in Corinth, and as he stays in Corinth, the longer he stays in Corinth, he just continues what he's been doing throughout Asia Minor and Macedonia. He's got a story to tell. His story is about Jesus, the resurrected Lord, appearing to him on the road to Damascus and thoroughly convincing him that he was alive and that he was the Messiah. Because of that experience on the road to Damascus, Paul begins to look back at the scriptures that he would have known from the Old Testament that were foretelling of the king and the kingdom that's coming. And by the time he reaches Corinth, he, he's gone back and reviewed those passages and he's inviting other Jews to look back into the scripture. Let's read these passages together. And let's talk about Jesus being the fulfillment of the prophecies about Messiah. And with Jesus being the Messiah, the King, we also need to talk about the kingdom that has arrived, which has arrived differently than what he as a Jewish rabbi thought it might be. And so Paul continues to do that work, mainly in the synagogue, but he does it to a point where he's invited to leave the synagogue. He goes either across the street or next door. And he begins to have a ministry of telling his story and discussing the scriptures with both the Jew and the Greek. And then I think as Paul stays in Corinth, he begins to reflect upon, well, up to this point in my life, every place that I've been, sooner or later, somebody gets upset with me and I either get beat up, stoned, or I'm rushed out of town. So he begins to worry. So Jesus takes care of that worry. He comes to him in a vision in the night, and he says, Keep it up. Don't let anyone intimidate or silence you. No matter what happens, I'm with you, and no one is going to hurt you. You have no idea how many people I have on my side in the city. So Paul is encouraged to stay. With that encouragement, he stays in Corinth for a year and a half. During that time, he takes a vow a vow that is a Nazarite vow to set him apart for the work of the Lord, the work of continuing to tell a story and explain the scriptures. We may not be familiar with that kind of a vow. So here's a reminder. If any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to the Lord, Paul, after Jesus speaks to him in the night and assures him, it's okay. Keep it up. Keep telling your story. Keep, keep discussing the scriptures. Many people are going to come to know me. He set himself apart for what Jesus was encouraging him to do. And he did it by taking this Nazarite vow. And so he pledged himself over the year and a half that he was there. He pledged himself to not drink alcohol. He pledged himself to stay away from the dead. And he did not cut his hair. So his hair grew long. And I don't know how... how how long can your hair grow in a year and a half? I don't know. I've never let my hair grow for a year and a half. But that's what he's doing. We're going to find that in the passage that we read this morning, and I'll explain in a moment. Acts 18, 18 through 23. Saying his goodbyes, Paul sailed from Syria, Priscilla and Aquila with him. Before boarding the ship in the harbor town of Censorea, he had his head shaved as part of a vow he had taken. He's having the hair shaven 
because the vow is over. He vowed to follow Jesus and do what Jesus asked him to do in Corinth. Let his hair grow as a sign I am set apart for a special task. And when he gets to Caesarea, I mean Caesarea, and he's leaving Corinth, he's going back to Syria, it's now time for that vow to be over. And says, So he has his head shaven. He may have saved that hair. That hair was used in, in uh, offerings as well. So as he makes his way back to Jerusalem at times. One of the things you can just remember, please remember, is that Paul never stopped being a Jew. I think that's extremely important. Conversion in the New Testament is not about changing religion. Conversion is about changing your mind about Jesus and changing your mind about the kingdom. That's what conversion is. And so Paul, as a Jew, changed his mind about Jesus. The one who said he's not the Messiah now said he is the Messiah. The one who held on to the kingdom as the next age changed his mind about the kingdom. So he was converted, but not from Judaism to Christianity. He changed his mind about Jesus and about the kingdom. And as a Jew, even as a rabbi, as a Pharisee, he began to follow Jesus. So he keeps doing those things that are Jewish. And we, we ought to see that and recognize it for what it is. And we could stand a lot of... I mean, we're just asking people. In our day, we're asking people to follow Jesus. We're not asking people to change their religion. We're asking people to follow Jesus. And Jesus will take care of all the other details. So they landed in Ephesus where Priscilla and Aquila got off and stayed. Paul left the ship briefly to go to the meeting place. That would be the synagogue. And, and again... He's inviting Jews into conversation. Let me tell you my story, and then let's sit down and look at these scriptures together, and let me kind of tell you, I have a new interpretation for you concerning those scriptures and Jesus. And they wanted him to stay longer, but he said he couldn't. So after saying goodbye, he promised, I'll come back, God willing. From Ephesus, he sailed to Caesarea. He greeted the church in Caesarea, and then he went on to Antioch in, in Syria, and he completed the journey. So that's where it ends. The second missionary journey ends back in Antioch. And after spending considerable time with the Antioch Christians, Paul set off again, third journey, from Galatia and Phrygia, retracing his old tracks one town after another, putting fresh heart into the disciples. So we probably ought to like acquaint ourselves geographically where we are. I'm not sure that all of us are following, tracking those places as we read. So here we've been in Corinth, in Greece. Now Paul goes to Censoria, which is the seaport town. That's where he has his head shaved. He sails across the Aegean Sea to Ephesus, stops briefly. Priscilla and Aquila stay there to pastor the church. He sails on back Mediterranean, comes to the coast of, of Israel, to Caesarea, which was the harbor that the Romans built, and then he makes it by land through, this would be modern-day Libya, not Libya, Lebanon, thank you, into Syria, to Syrian Antioch. So that's his travel back, and he stays there for a time, reports on what he's been doing, and then he sets off again for the third journey. We stay at Antioch, and this time he goes by land, not by sea, and he comes back through all these towns in Galatia, Phrygia, coming back to Ephesus. So just, he's making his way all over modern-day Turkey. 
And what is he doing? He's strengthening all the disciples. He's breathing fresh life into the hearts of people that are following Jesus. Strengthening presupposes that Christians who are strengthened are under assault and in danger of becoming uncertain or slothful in their faith or walk. My friends, whether we recognize it or not, we are under assault each and every day, all of the time. That assault uh, is a spiritual nature. Sometimes we discern it, sometimes we don't. And it comes from the evil one. There is an evil one who would love to keep humanity in rebellion against the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And even though you're following Jesus, you've said, I believe in Jesus, don't think that that's going to cause the evil one to back off from you. A matter of fact, the more you give yourself to obedience to the king, the more the, 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 the attack's going to be relentless because he's going to try to get you to rebel against God. Just like in the, it's just like Adam and Eve. You know, did God really say? Oh, is God withholding something from you? Surely God is. Why don't you rebel against the rule of God and you'll find life because he's withholding life? I mean, it's the same thing. And that attack is relentless. And it, it's aimed towards causing us to become uncertain in our faith. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe there isn't that much in this life of Jesus. Maybe, maybe I can find more life in the pursuit of someone else or something else. Maybe, maybe he's really not that serious about his kingdom come. I mean, we keep having people like Jill that keep having serious illness. And, you know, we're reading in the Bible that the day would come that the sick would be healed. There'd be no more tears or sorrow over sickness. But we keep having people get sick. We keep having people get cancer. And some of those people have cancer and they die. And you, you kind of go down that path and think, well, I'm, I'm not certain. I mean, does, does God... I mean, does he really... Set things right now, or is it just all later? I mean, I look at you know, our interest in the Middle East, and, you know, again, there was another war, and thousands of people died. You look at the Middle it's all it's a mess. And you say, well, is, isn't, God, isn't God setting things right? Or, I mean, you can grow uncertain about the things that we hold most dear. Well, we have to, look, you just have to see that uncertainty that begins to creep into our lives is a temptation to pull back, to not believe, to settle for something less, which most of the time is just attending church meetings and being sweet to each other in person but not behind each other's back. Jesus has visited the planet. And Jesus' message is, God is saving his creation. And he won't be stopped. 
And He intends to do His work through us. And if we lose sight of that, that's an attack. We're vulnerable to attack. Also, there's a danger of becoming lazy. I mean, think back. When you first came to know Jesus, did you have any time finding time to spend with Jesus? I mean, there was an enthusiasm. If you just think back to your initial encounter with Jesus, there was an enthusiasm about jumping up, spending time with Jesus. Most of that time it was, was reading the Bible, hearing what he was saying to you, willingly live it. You were excited, enthusiastic. I mean, I, I told more people about Jesus the first year of my conversion than probably the rest of the years I've been alive in Jesus I was just very awake and very excited. Is that where we are now? Or does the evil one convince us, oh, don't get, oh, come on. You don't be so over the top. You know, you don't need to get up at 5.30. You know, sleep in, get your rest. God wants you to be healthy. You know, you don't have to pray that much. You don't have to read the Bible that much. You sure don't need to invite other people to follow Jesus. They're probably going to hear it somewhere else. You see, Paul is strengthening the disciples in Asia Minor because he knows they're under spiritual attack. And, and without strengthening, they're not going to be certain about their faith or their walk with Jesus. And they're going to grow lazy. It's the same with us. Without our heart being strengthened, we will become uncertain. Does our faith really work? Does our faith really make any difference in the cities where we live? Does our faith have, make any difference in the world? Or is the world really going to change because of the kingdom of God coming? And we just yawn our way through life. We have got to recognize that we're vulnerable. Now the effect or the aim of strengthening is the impregnability of the Christian faith in spite of troubles which have to be endured. Impregnability. My friends, we have been given the gift of faith in Jesus which is unconquerable. An impregnable faith is a trust in Jesus which is strong enough to withstand these attacks. Awake enough to call temptation what it is. I will not be conquered by anyone other than Jesus. An impregnable faith, it's not trouble free. Matter of fact, Paul would, he would probably, if he was standing here today, because he says it in the Bible, he would say, you know folks, you think you had troubles before you knew Jesus? Well, I got news for you. The kingdom of God advances through many trials and struggles. You want to keep telling people about Jesus? You want to keep telling people that Jesus is the Lord of all lords, that Jesus is in charge here? You just better be ready. But the impregnable faith 
can face those troubles. I'm not going to lose my faith by proclaiming who Jesus is. I'm not going to lose my faith by believing that this world is meant to be a better place by the time I exit it because of Jesus through us doing what he's asking us to do out and about in our cities, our state, and the nations of this world. Impregnable faith. Strengthening of our hearts. Now what was really cool about this ministry of strengthening that Paul is doing in Asia Minor, which we hope is going to happen today, it's something that we have a heritage in that goes back to the Dead Sea Scrolls of all places. There was a community in Qumran, the Essenes. They were a Jewish sect prior to the coming of Jesus that maybe more than any other Jewish sect really had their attention on Messiah is coming. The kingdom is coming. They were really aware of that and they recognized that for them to hold on to that anticipation for Messiah to come, for the kingdom to come, that that required inward strengthening. And the way they wrote about it is we need a firm mind. We need our thoughts to be unperplexed and we need to be thoughtful. We need to be awake. We need to be, we need to be reading the Bible. We need to be seeing and reading the times. They also wrote about we need an impregnable community. They wrote the community... The, the, the community they lived in is called an impregnable realm. So when Jesus is ruling in our midst, we become an impregnable community. We become a community that cannot be conquered. And then they wrote, we are strengthened by the presence and the power of God. The means of strengthening is God's power. With His name, with His power, God has strengthened me. And this is the petition and the praise that they used. Thou hast caused the spirit of thy holiness to fall on me. Thou hast caused. We didn't cause it. He or she or them didn't cause it. God Almighty, the all-powerful God, God, you caused, you caused the spirit of holiness to fall on us. And you strengthened our heart. I know that I know that I know that I know that as a community of people following Jesus, we are under attack. And as a community, we are being attacked 
to have doubts about who we are, how we live our faith, how we express our faith, even doubts about our community. And I know that I know that I know that in the city, in the state, in the nation that we live, we're lazy. When it comes to our faith, we just kind of glide along because we can get by with it. We can just kind of glide along. And so when we bumped into Paul in Corinth, there are some pages of the Bible that are just jumping off the page into our life. And there's at least three prayers that I, get, I know, that I know, that I know through the hours of the night. I know that I know that I know this is what God himself wants to do among us. You want to put it this way, this is what God wants to do to us. This is what he wants to do through us. And he's looking for a community of people that say, do it! We can't do it, but here we are. Do through us what you want to do. Do through us what you want to do. Notice, that is different than, oh God, bless what we're doing. That's not the same thing. We're, we're not making up what we want to do and then asking God to bless it. What we're praying is, would you do what you want to do through us? Here we are. And we know that we, we can't make this happen. All we can say is cause the spirit of holiness to fall on us. In three different ways. One, empower us, Holy Spirit, to make new friends. In and around town, in the classroom, and at work. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to make new friends. My, again, I just, have to, I just have to remind us, there are thousands of people around us that already belong in some way to Jesus, but they don't even know it yet. And all they're waiting for is for somebody that, to step out of church buildings, out of church meetings, out of home groups and Bible studies and prayer meetings, and go out and make friends and to discern, oh, you're one of Jesus's. <laughs> just waiting for someone to come along and tell their story. See, every day, everywhere we go, we can go, Holy Spirit, empower us, open our eyes, let us discern the people that we are rubbing shoulders with, that you're drawing to yourself, and let us be in the right place at the right time, divine appointment, and let us tell our story, and let us just watch you do your work. My friends, those thousands of people, they're not going to walk through the door. Maybe a few would. There might be a little dribble. But, but our faith is about going. We go to others. Empower us, Holy Spirit. I truly believe that there's thousands of people that are part of the harvest of our day just waiting for you and I to introduce ourselves and to tell our story to. And God's going to bring him into relationship with himself.
The second, encourage us, Holy Spirit, with dreams and visions in the night as we make new friends. So I think I do believe it's hard work for us to leave the comfort of our community, to leave the comfort of our home, to leave the security of like what we have as believers and to step out into our neighborhoods, out to downtown, into the stores with an eye to make new friends. I think we need to be encouraged again and again and again and again. And I don't think there's any better encouragement than Jesus showing up in the night and saying, Hey, I want you to keep after it. I don't want you to be afraid somebody's going to hurt you. I want you to tell your story. I want you to, 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 to take people to the Bible and tell them, about, go do it. And I'm with you. I'm with you. And there's thousands of people out there. So I'm really, I'm really, I really believe he wants to encourage us. And then, then what we're adding to it today is strengthen us with your presence and your power. There's nothing else that's going to strengthen our heart. I mean, as much as I would like to pump strength, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can just be a part of saying the only place that we can be strengthened is with God Himself. Oh, God. Cause the spirit of thy holiness to fall on us. I mean, I think he's looking for some place on the planet where there's a group of people that are saying, we know we can't do it. We know what you want, but we know we can't do it. We don't have what it takes. Therefore, would you cause the spirit of thy holiness to fall on us? that you could do through us what you want. So I'm just wondering, is, is this the kind of community we want to be? I mean, my suspicion is, if I, could I speak for you? I think it's yes. 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 <laughs> yes. God, do through us, what you want to do. Strengthen us with your power. So if you would, would you like to stand? And let's just ask him to do that. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come because we all together acknowledge that it's your presence and it's your power that strengthens us. We acknowledge to you that we don't have the wisdom, we don't have the resources, we don't have the tools 
to strengthen ourselves or to strengthen others. So as a community of people, we stand before you and we confess to you that it is your presence and it is your power that strengthens us. Come, Holy Spirit. Envelop us with your presence. Fill us with your power. Holy Spirit, we invite you to empower us to make new friends. You know our, our fears. You know our uncertainties. You know the ruts that we get stuck in. But we're asking you to empower us to make new friends. We're asking you to guide us to people in our cities that don't know you but are on the verge of knowing you. Empower us to recognize who those people are. Reveal to us through dreams, through visions, through relationships, those people around us that are so close to entering into relationship with you. And all they need is someone coming alongside to become their friend. Strengthen us with your presence and your power. For centuries now, you've heard the cry of communities. Cause the spirit of thy holiness to fall on us. We're making that plea. We're just, we're, we're just joining those voices, Lord. Cause the spirit of thy holiness to fall on us. We confess our uncertainty. We confess our laziness. We ask that you renew us with your presence and with your power. Let today be the beginning of a new season. Cause the spirit of thy holiness to fall on us. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been praying a couple of these prayers. And so just as we're ending our time, did anyone make a new friend this past week? And just had a sense that it was an answer. We've been praying this prayer and empower us to make a new friend. Did that? Okay. And well, tell us, 